Welcome everyone to Unsafe Space. I'm your host, Carter Laren, and I'm joined as always by the bad man Jamma, Carrie Smith. Carrie, say hello. Hello, Carter. How are you this we have morning, with us, morning, afternoon? I'm, I'm doing well, Carrie. I'm doing well. Um, and I'm excited to talk to our guest because we don't often get to talk to comedians. And actually, this comedian has an interesting background. So um, we have with us today Mark Hughes. Mark is a stand-up comedian, podcaster, author, storyteller, and ferret dad, which is very important, uh, based out of Toronto, Canada. He hosts a podcast called Pulling the Trigger, on which he interviews interesting, unusual, and controversial people. Mark is currently working on a memoir of his life as an armed robber and heroin addict. He's been clean for 13 years. Um, I'll put links to his website, his Instagram, which is Mark Hughes Comic, Facebook, Patreon, Mark Hughes Comic. I'll put links to all of those in the show notes um, below. But uh, Mark, welcome. Welcome to Unsafe Space. Thanks for coming. Well, hello. So... I mean, we have to, the elephant in the room. What's up with the armed robbery and heroin? Uh, at, you have a really interesting past. I love interesting pasts. But didn't you do that How when you were you 13? Comic? <laughs> you know. You, you actually look like a guy I would have robbed back in the day. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. No, yeah. That's okay. Yeah, I'd have, been, I'd have been giving you my wallet. Yeah, now, now you're the type of person who would hold me back in life. That's okay, though. See how the, Nate, the circle of life, so it's all good. <laughs> This is my way of asking this question. Mm. I used to work in comedy. I've been a yeah. little bit out of it for a couple of years, but uh, you're lucky. But comedy has changed a lot. That's kind <laughs> of part part of the reason I left was because it got people got so PC and so afraid to say certain things. Where did you come from? Uh, well, uh, I'm I'm from uh, from Vancouver, Vancouver, BC, Canada, uh, uh, West Coast city. Um, do people down in the States, if I say Vancouver, do you know what I'm talking about? We do. Uh, so I came from Vancouver, Canada. Uh, I got out of prison in 2007 and I started doing comedy in 2013. And you're a comic which, for which there are no taboos. I Is guess that so. correct? I see. I hate, you know, some of that shit's good for marketing. I'm not going to deny it. I hate fucking being labeled dark and dirty, edgy, politically incorrect. Cause I'm just, dude, I'm just joking about what I think is funny. What do you mean taboos? I thought it's comedy. I thought you just fucking laugh at like when people go, what, like where it is, where did the jokes that you have? Like, where are they inspired from? I don't know. I, I'm just joking. When I'm on stage, I'm just telling jokes like I would to my buddies if we were hanging out. That's it. Cause that's what I find funny. So why yep. would I tell jokes that I don't find funny? So, Why, what are you, yeah. so you don't, you don't uh, abide by this whole, you must punch, make sure you're punching up with your comedy. Don't punch down. Fuck, fuck off. <laughs> fuck. That, that's <laughs> fucking bullshit. Punch up, punch down. Colin Quinn said the only people who use terms like that aren't funny themselves. So fucking- <laughs> No, I, I, that's totally true. But I'm, I'm wondering if you have to be removed from society for a period of time so that you don't get infected by the social justice culture before you become a comic to actually be funny. Like maybe this is an advantage for you. You didn't get indoctrinated by weird social justice warriors during your rise comedically. Yeah, probably. Uh, I'd never heard any of this shit when I got out of prison. Uh, I remember the first time a feminist stuck her finger in my face and told me I was privileged. And she like, and I'm like, I was on parole <laughs> at the time. 
And I'm like, I'm not even allowed to leave the fucking city limits without a parole officer's signature. What the fuck are you talking about? Then she got in her BMW <laughs> that her fucking dad bought her. And she used all this, used all this language that, you know, she used all like hegemony and all that. Like, I'm like, what the fuck is that? I've never even graduated high school, bitch. What, what are you talking about? Right. But yeah, apparently brave. They, 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 they warned me it would be different out here. Holy shit, man. Yeah. <sighs> in fact, for, I just want to say one thing. I, I'm, I'm an ex-dope fiend, right? So I used to junkie. So I shoot dope, cocaine, heroin down on the downtown east side of Vancouver, which is the ghetto. It's the worst part of Canada. And uh, just getting high with fucking all kinds of people and hookers. And I remember that when I was telling a story one time, I said the word hooker and I got in shit for it. I'd never Why? in my whole sex, because the correct term is sex worker. And it's like... <laughs> And I wasn't even to be. I wasn't being disrespectful towards the when I was telling the story towards a girl who no. was a hooker. Hookers were my friends, right? And it just that, that that's what they call themselves. And I couldn't believe it. And that's that day. I remembered. I realized, holy fuck, society's pretty fucked up, man. And yeah, yeah. So, and I, I, to to speak to your question, was I infected by? It? I guess not. I, I'll tell you one thing. That shit. People ask me all the time. It, is it hard getting out of prison because you can't get a job and you got the criminal record? That stuff's not, I'm not saying that stuff's easy, but it's actually this shit that we're talking about. That's what makes it hard. Cause you're, I'm what, always, there's I'm like a cultural taboos or like assumptions that you don't, man, I wasn't, I didn't, I didn't grow up in that. I'm, I don't have a fucking liberal arts degree. I'm not middle-class. I don't, I don't speak that language. It's all big words and stuff. Uh, and it seemed like these days, because, because of this kind of Marxist fucking postmodernist shit, I'm heralded. I'd be better off robbing people than I would be misgendering people. Oh, yeah. Because, <laughs> because it, if I'm robbing people, I'm redistributing wealth or some shit or whatever they say. Right? Then they would yeah. put you in a marginalized group. Then right. It would be yeah. like, oh, poor Mark. He's, uh, yeah. Yeah. It, the, that is so funny to, to hear it put that way. Do you have any pushback in the uh, comedy world? Like, are there certain the only problems I've ever the only problems I've ever had doing comedy, except for a few, like maybe five other than five times, has been with comics. I've very I've other than those five five times I've had problems with audience. Every other any other pushback I've ever had, any other problem I've ever had has been with comedians. With fellow comics, yeah, fellow comics. Yeah. They're part of the religion. It's like yeah. a religion and they're in yeah. it and you're yeah. not. I would imagine you would really piss those people off. I, I do. Uh, okay, let me, let me give you the, this about that. Okay, so you said you used to work I in comedy. I used to manage comedians, yeah. Like full up manage? Like what does yeah. a manager for a comedian look like? What, 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 what would you do? Well, I've, I've, everyone's different. We were personal managers. So I did comedians. My partner did musicians. We were a very small yeah. company. But we basically were like... Like if they were a brand, we'd call ourselves, we're like the CEO of the brand. So we, we brought on all other team members. We brought on an agent. We brought on a publicist. We helped book tours. We helped, we helped plan the year. Like do you want to pitch a TV show and you want to do a stand up comedy tour? Here's how we're going to make it work. Okay. Did you make any money? If you don't mind me asking. Was, was uh, I did actually. I finally made, yeah, I finally made some money, but it's, it, it was, uh, there were years where I didn't. And then there, then there were years where I made a lot of money. Right. So, cool. Okay, so in Canada, we don't have anything like that. There's, there's no formal industry in Canada. So basically, the way comedy works in Canada, except for a few festivals, and we have a national, uh, uh, a government-funded television network called CBC, Canadian Broadcasting Corporation. Yep. That's about as close as TV you can get in Canada for comedy. If you can get a spot on 
a CBC show, right? Now it's got, okay. Canada is a very socialist leaning country. So we're, we're uh, so you can imagine what a government funded television channel, what their criteria is going to be for, you know, it's, you think fucking late night TV cleans fucking gay? Holy shit. The fucking content restrictions for CBC? Like that fucking long, man. It's fu- So anyway, if, if you look <laughs> so at the line. Funny. I don't want to say that because they do book funny people. I'm not, I, I don't want to be too, like, you don't need to be fucking telling rape jokes and stuff to be funny. I don't believe that. But what they do, they do, okay. When I tell you that there's this many criteria that you're not allowed to joke about, and we're kind of a, a, a government, the, the, the television pro, uh, uh, station is government funded, and we're kind of a socialist country, take a guess at what the lineup looks like on the fucking showcase. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> Ideologically diverse, right? Yeah. Ideal- <laughs> well, the fun- no, okay, hold on, hold on. It's not ideologically diverse. Right. It's diverse every other way. Exactly. But if you, if you just listened to them and didn't know, who, uh, if you weren't able to look at them, they don't sound much different. That's, that's, that's the interesting thing. So they talk about diversity, right. but it's only one type of diversity, right? Anyway, so long story short, in Canada, because we don't have any proper industry, it's basically one big artist collective. All the shows here are run by comedians are very close to comedian people right so it's a big it's a community it, it, it's it's you want to make money in canada you gotta you, you gotta be your manage your own manager your own agent your own social media expert your own fucking uh publicist all of it you got to do it yourself the only the closest we have to that is a, a national comedy chain called yuck yucks but there's just we don't have the population for to make uh for a, a national chain to have uh uh, to, to, to book people enough to really make a living. So you got, you got to be hustling for gigs all the time. I'm sure it's not that much different than the States. It's not, it's not. Yeah. yeah. Um, so anyway, so it, it sounds like if that's the case and you're the only pushback you're getting are from comedians, that means venue pushback as well. Cause it's the comedians that are running venues. Is that true or no? Okay. Here's the best way I can describe it. Um, yes, you're correct. Uh, venues here. Uh, shows are most okay. So the club circuit in Canada isn't very big. I'd say it's fifteen percent of all the shows in Canada. Most of the shows are bars, cafes, one-offs, things like that. Right. What I have found in my experience is that the clubs, the managers, and stuff often aren't really watching the comedy, and they're usually people who were sort of around comedians before they became the person in charge of the booking. There are exceptions. I'm speaking in generalities, but for the sake of conversation, this is pretty much how it works. They ask the other comedians who they're friends with, hey, who's good right now? And that's who ends up getting booked. Yes. I see. So, so if you're, I, I'm not going to paint myself into a corner as a victim or anything like that, but I, I get along with most comics, but they call me a risk is what I get told very oh, often. Oh, totally. Right? So, because I'm a risk and also because I'm clean and sober, I don't hang out with the comics that much because, you know, they like getting high and stuff. I don't. It's just not part of my life, right? I, I kind of, I really do treat comedy like a job. I go in, I do my set. I'm polite to everyone. I'm civil as best I can. But then I leave. Uh, Carrie, you know this probably from comedy. A lot of gigs are half-ass booked or a lot of stuff is worked on after the show at 
the party or at the bar, right? Oh, totally. Like with yeah. anything, it's about relationships and hanging out. Yeah. Not my thing. Not my thing. I have never been my thing. I'm a loner. It's just how I am, right? So because those two factors put together make it, I'm not going to say impossible or like soup, uh, like uh, dis- disabling, but it makes comedy probably a bit harder for me uh, than the average comedian. Let's put it that way. Yeah. I would assume it also makes you a better comic <laughs> because no, no. <laughs> Uh, you, I don't speak to the quality or, t- uh, I work hard at it. I very rarely hard bomb, hard bomb, meaning like no one laughed and it's really awkward for five to 10 minutes. I very rarely do that. So. And then, and I just say that from working with people who, um, once they have gotten big, then they, some people tend to rest on their laurels. It's just easy. There's an mm-hmm. audience who's coming to adore them like a famous musician, you know? And then, right. it, and then they, the comedy kind of suffers because they're not working for it. And, and you not only are at a place where you're working for it as up-and-coming comic or what, whatever, but you're, you're also having to fight to even get stage time, I'm sure. Well, people so, say, like, so I'll give you an it's perfect example is people say to me, oh, my God, being a comic, that must be so fun, especially hanging out with all the other comedians, just laughing and joking all the time. And I'm like, fuck, you're funnier than half the fucking comics I have to hang out with. That's a funny joke you just said right there. Jesus Christ, <laughs> So comedy's hard at the best of times, even in un, even in ideal circumstances. Under ideal circumstances, comedy's hard. You got to go up on stage and make strangers laugh. It's hard, right? You're facing one of the most innate natural fears: public speaking, public humiliation. That's hard, right? Comedy. If you want to get good at comedy, you have to sacrifice your entire life. Any se- you have to basically decide: okay, I don't want a normal life. Now, meaning white picket fence, nine to five job, da, 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 da. I have, because I have to go out and perform as often as possible. So me in Toronto, I'm up on stage 10, 15 times a week. Most of those, those aren't paid mostly. That's just the open mics to hone the craft, to get better at the joke. Not complaining. That's just the way it is. I'm fine with that. You have to deal with uh, hecklers. You have to deal with threats. You have to deal with people wanting to fight you. You have to deal with people throwing things at you. You have to deal with bad reviews. You have to deal with et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And you're most of the time, you're not making a hell of a lot of money doing this for the first 10 years, right? Problem is these days, especially I've heard from the old timers that it's kind of always been like this, but these days it's even worse because of social media and that sort of uh, liberal indoctrination. Now my biggest enemies are the fucking comedians as well, who I'm on the same show with. Yeah. You know, they're not like it it's it like okay. Comedian comedy when you're a comedian, you're 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 um it's not a team sport, right? I'm up on stage, I live or die by my jokes, it's me against the audience, right? That's fine. The comics aren't really co workers. They're more they're not exactly competition, but they're not exactly colleagues either. But right. in this environment I've found often they're really really not colleagues often often so what you have to what i've had to do is find some uh you can always find a few cool people that uh, again i don't i'm not much of a hang guy but at least comrades you know that uh, and and that's that tends to be how you, you survive psychologically yeah 
There's a, you know, you mentioned that a lot of people just assume comedians are kind of sitting around telling jokes with each other all the time and hilarious off hours, uh, you know, when they're not on stage. Um, there's also another um, view of comedians that actually a lot of them are very dysfunctional in their private lives and have a lot of psychological issues. Is that true? Correct. <laughs> in my yeah. experience as well. <laughs> yeah, uh, I'd say most comics suffer from some form of depression and or anxiety and or mild substance abuse. Why is that? Uh, it's the nature, it's the nature of the, excuse me, uh, the personality type that's drawn to comedy. Uh, they want approval uh, in order to be funny, in order to say funny things. You have to be kind of an oddball and see things from a different perspective to begin with. So you'd have to add, just just from a purely pop psychology, armchair psychology perspective, how does someone get to the place where they're able to see things differently? Right. Uh, I would say that a lot of the people who get into comedy now are not so much, not a lot of, not all, but a lot of are doing it uh, because they were exposed to it on social media, Netflix, YouTube, and stuff like that. And there's a there's a there's not much of a buy-in for comedy. You don't have to learn a, a, an instrument. Um, you don't have to go to school for it. You just show up at an open mic, tell some jokes, and you can call yourself a comedian, really, right? And I think a lot of people are doing it uh, now. A buddy of mine said one time, "These are people who should have been in like theater or improv, but they're doing stand-up instead." And then there's this other mm. kind of mm. subclass of people who are in comedy who should have been bloggers, but now they're comedians. Oh yes, yeah, there's a lot yeah. of those. A lot of the SJW ones should have been bloggers. They have, they all, they think all the fucking jokes have to have a social message contained in it, yes. right? And it's like, <laughs> yeah, and it's like, uh, it's truth to power. Man. Fuck off, fuck, just laugh. Dick jokes are funny. Who cares? I don't need to. Comedy was born. Okay, some people say, well, they're the jester, and they were the only ones who were allowed to speak against the king. Okay, yeah, fine, but it's also. Most people, the overwhelming majority, the silent mass, the, the, the regular people, the people who exist in the so-called flyover states, not L.A., not New York, most of them just go to comedy on a Friday or Saturday night because they want to unwind after a work week. That's it. They don't want to have to th – they're not looking to be educated or some half-assed bullshit TED Talk disguised as a comedy show. You know what I mean? <laughs> so so yeah. I, I uh, was in SJW for 20 years. Uh, I got into comedy. You fucking so I cuck. Could, I know. Well, look. look. <laughs> Is that soy you're drinking there? <laughs> I've seen the error of my ways. Uh, but no, I got into it so I could push my ideology. That's exactly what I did. Right. I wasn't in comedy because I cared about... I, do, I wasn't a person who grew up saying, I want to work in entertainment. I was a person who saw a, a method of pushing my belief system with comedians for the most part comedians who shared my ideology and so we were doing exactly what you're saying like if we were infecting the comedy world and now i feel like it's become overrun with it it's yeah i'd say it's what i observe uh is that it's it's industry has adopted it too so the things yes. the, the the outlets with money that's kind of their standard now because they're it's marketing they're playing to what's popular Yes, I, I would yeah. still argue that the, if, you, if you went to 100 different comedy shows, just random, just pick them, the mean average of audience there, the demographic is not identitarian, is not 
extreme right, extreme left leaning. They're just kind of average people who want to laugh. To give it a number, just for the sake of conversation, I'd say 70 to 85% are still just regular people who don't give a fuck what the joke is really about. Just please make it funny. They don't want to be, they don't want to be educated. Hey man, if you can make a joke that's funny and educational, all the power to you. I, I, I joke about anything you want, but I remember I was having a conversation with someone and they said, one of the problems with these jokes or comedians or acts that have this political message it contained in them is they start with the political message and then retro reverse engineer the yes. joke, right? Yeah. George, and, and they go, well, that's what George Carlin used to do. No, George Carlin no, no, was just no. naturally like that. He was also, he was unique at the time. Not a lot of comics were doing that. Political observations at the time, not a lot of them were doing that. Because yep. actually he was discouraged from doing that because it was considered like, oh man, that's bo- no one wants to be educated at a comedy show. But also he right. was, he, he was different because. Um, well, he was really funny too. Yeah, that's he was really thing. funny. And I think, I think comedy for him was still the primary focus. For the people you're talking about, it's like, it's like with anything else that SJWism infects, it, the ideology becomes primary to them and comedy is secondary. Right. And, yeah. then, you, and then you're not an artist anymore. Well, well, they even, you hear, and this is common. I remember I used to joke about this before I started seeing it on the internet. A lot of them even say comedy isn't about funny or laughs. Like for yes. real. That's, I'm not, not yeah. ironic. They yeah. actually say that. Yeah. Yeah. And you see the rise of, of, of Clapter. Yeah. Late night has gotten horrible. I grew up watching Johnny Carson and it doesn't matter what you think of Johnny Carson. I laughed when I was a kid. I thought Johnny was no, funny. No, great. Um, he was funny. But, you know, now late night, it's you don't hear people laughing. You hear people applauding when then they say something. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Typical yeah. white male, eh? <laughs> <Fuck>. Right. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah, I am a typical so, white male. That's right. No. <laughs> What are the uh, what are the taboo subjects that get you in trouble? I mean, I know the like taboo subjects is a weird thing, but you said you get like comedian fellow comedians view you as a risk, right, or toxic in some way. Like, what are what are the risky aspects of what you talk about? Uh, rape, sexual abuse, race, trans issues, homo f- homo issues, uh, uh, immigration, <laughs> just the, just whatever. The fact that you the said homo issues. Yeah. Uh, what's another one? Uh, there's another one I got in trouble for. Uh, just gross shit sometimes. Uh, uh, like I have a joke about a colostomy bag. I've gotten in shit for that one a lot. Uh, nice. Uh, uh, you know, just <laughs> the, the usual subject you're not allowed, not allowed that you get in trouble for. Oh, sorry. I, I keep on saying it like it's matter of fact or self-evident. The, mo- the, the subjects these days that you would suspect are sacred and sacrosanct uh, tends to be where I go. Uh, some people say you do it to offend people on purpose. No, absolutely not. I'm a, I, I, I love the craft of comedy. I like people making people laugh. I like laughing. I don't want, I, it actually, scouts honor, God's honest truth, bugs me when people get offended because I'm like, I feel like it was really? a bit of a failure. Yep. Right. Yep. So I, this is, I wonder if you would agree with this, the sacred cow. So even there, um, they say the whole punching up, punching down thing. I think they have their directions confused anyway, because when you're talking about these so-called taboo subjects, you are quote unquote punching up because you're, you're making fun of, you're taking some jabs at the sacred cows. 
Well, let's examine this for a second. Okay. So leftism, whatever, progressivism, liberalism, whatever you want to call it, Democrats down in your country. Okay. So they, 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 claim, they claim all these checkpoints are marginalized groups, right? So trans, black, gay, right? Muslim. Women. Okay. Women. Ah, unless you're a white woman. Uh-huh. <laughs> time's up too. Um, okay. So these groups are apparently marginalized, right? Who, okay, if we examine pop culture and media, who defends and is promoting these cultures? I'm not saying that these cultures or these, 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 these groups shouldn't be promoted or, or whatever, cause, uh, but like uh, they should or should, I don't know. But, okay, Hollywood promotes and protects these groups. Academia yep. promotes and protects these groups. P Democrats, huge political party, promotes and protects these groups. Uh, the media, journalism, promotes and protects, mainstream media promotes and protects these groups. In Canada, our pride parade in Toronto, the biggest pride parade, one of the biggest pride parades in North America, banks fucking support it. You have all, yep. all the estates Supporting these so-called protected groups. That's the same same in San Francisco. Banks support the Pride Parade in San Francisco. There Seattle. you go. Yeah. I'm not even gonna say because I'm not a smarty pants, but some these groups have problems, sure, right? But when it is all of the establishment protecting them, they are. That's no longer a a a a, a subject that is like a homeless person. Or it's no longer Christ. a weak subject. They are protected by the elite. Yes. What do you mean punch down? With jokes, with words. It's not like we're going out there fucking with guns and shooting all these people. We're talking. We're... And also, a lot of the time, the jokes that, like, bad, edgy, politically incorrect comics, are they're, what they're doing is they're poking fun at the protected fucking subjects because they're so protected. Yes, exactly. So, right. That's that's what it is. So that technically, like you said, Carrie, that's punching up. It's it's the, we're not living in the eighties or nineties anymore. I think people they <laughs> it's a different time. The sacred cows are different now. Okay, who actually do do you guys any know any real actual homophobic people like for like uh, fucking queers? Let's go beat them up. No. Yeah. No. I I know dudes who kind of don't like gay guys, but it's more like ah, it's, it's kind of weird. I don't really want to like the guy touching me or anything. And then I'm be like, what do you, do you like wish him any harm or anything? No, no, I don't care that most people I don't think give a shit. Yeah. Right. It's just don't, don't, don't bother me with it. Just, I don't care. Right. Even trans, yeah. which, okay. Trans, that's the ultimate sacred cow up here in Canada. Is it, is it like that down in the States? Has it, has it, has well, it superseded decide, race? They can't decide trans or Muslim. There's a okay. little competition happening. Okay. So up here it's trans. Um, Okay, let's face it, trans, this trans stuff, it's relatively new. I mean, it's been going on a long time, but the amount of airway, airwaves it gets, the amount of t screen time, the amount of airplay it gets, it's fucking a lot, right? It's very, and, and, yep. and, and interestingly enough, it's actually a small percentage of the population. That's a different discussion, though. So, most of us are going to say, ah, it's a bit fucking weird, right? But most people... Don't really give if you see a dude in a dress who even got surgery to look more like a woman who got a dick cut off and all that kind of stuff. I think most people go, okay, 
But as long as the person isn't a fucking batshit maniac or dangerous or trying to access women's only things, different discussion, I don't think anyone really cares. No. No. I, I don't think so either. And I, I just, you know, I remember in the, in the mid-90s, I had my first job. And uh, there was a, a woman there named, I think her name was Rachel, I don't remember. Um, but she was trans. And I had never even heard of trans. I had never, like, met a trans person. But she had, like, an Adam's apple and, like, really big hands. And, and it was, this was an engineering company, so it was mostly guys. And uh, the worst thing that happened was people would be like, yeah, that's Rachel. Rachel, she, she's a man. She's secretly... Like, there was, like, a little bit of whispering. And then you got to work with Rachel. And after a couple meetings, it was just like, oh, yeah, that's Rachel. And you got used to it. And there was no... it was You're over it. It was weird at first because you didn't... You weren't used to it. And then you got over it. And no one ever said Rachel shouldn't have rights or let's go beat on Rachel or fire Rachel or screw her career over. It was just like, oh, this is odd. Now I'm over it. As a society, we have progressed since the 60s and 70s and 80s. We have. That's no, it's absolutely it can be it can be be empirically shown data supports it. Right. Um, I have a a friend who used to work in a queer uh, journalism outlet called um, uh, Daily Extra. So it's a queer, queer newspaper. Right. And uh, so he, I, I talk to him about qu- gay issues all the time, LGBT issues all the time. And he says the, he's sort of been dis, uh, disillusioned with the LGBT movement uh, as of late. And he doesn't really support it as much anymore. A lot of people are, I think. Yeah. yeah. And what he says, he says the biggest difference between the trans movement and the gay rights movement of like the sixties and seventies and stuff like that is the gay rights movement was a lot. um, uh, They weren't, they were demanding basic rights immediately fair. And they were, but they were also not demanding that society change. How do I put it? I'm trying to remember how he said it. It's, he says the biggest difference is the trans movement is not kind of negotiating it's more just you better do that or you're a bigot and if you if you don't know what non-binary means that must mean you're a member of the kkk yes right and and it's like what the fuck right like maybe you got to give society a second to catch up a little bit here it's happening and this is social media and the internet that's helped this or hindered it uh it hap it's happening so fast that's the thing so I'll give you an example. Um, I know someone who hired a trans man, born woman, transitioned into male. Uh, and the person that, when they got to work was telling everyone they're trans. No one really gave a fuck except like, why the fuck is this, the only, this thing the only, why is that thing the only thing the guy has to talk about? Like that's yep. on and on. It almost is it it like a religious fanatic, right? Turns out the guy was also fucking bad at his job. So, the owner didn't know that he was trans. So the, one of the manager or assistant manager said, hey, we got to fire what's-his-face. But just so you know, he's trans. And the owner went, fuck, man. He's a bad employee. That's why I want to fire him. But now I can't because just a few days before, he told everyone he was trans. So then it, it's going to look bad if he fires him. So yep. an employer is now held hostage 
to keep a fucking shitty employee on staff. It's costing him money and maybe even reputation because of this ideology. Well, and I'll tell you as someone who's, I mean, I've hired hundreds of people in my life and I'll, I'll tell you right now that backlash is it, it, that has consequences. Employers aren't stupid. They see that and they immediately think, well, you know, I don't have a problem with this protected class, but I'm hesitant to hire them because I can't fire them. If like I, a white guy, I can fire for any reason. The guy looks at me wrong. He's underperforming. I don't like him. He's gone. He has no leverage over me, but you know, you get the the trans Muslim woman or whatever it is, some protected class. Um, you better be really careful because you can't fire them, and that's, I mean, that's horrifying from an employer to feel like, you know, if I hire this person, I'm stuck with them forever. Remember the good old days when all you had to worry about as an employer was hiring women who might get pregnant. Fuck, man! <laughs> Jesus Christ! Now has it ever become complicated? No. Yeah. It's kind of, it reminds me of, uh, I think in France, it's very difficult to hire people um, or to fire people. I mean, once you've hired them, it's very difficult to fire them generally. And it's not been good for their economy, uh, obviously, because, you know, you can't, you, you know, people know that they're protected. And that trans person you mentioned, he knows that once he doesn't get fired for bad performance, now he knows that he can't get fired for bad performance. And so... We also have a thing up here that's, uh, oh, before I say what I'm about to say, I might, I, for any of your listeners, I don't want to sound, make it sound like comedy is like terrible and, and like it's all doom and gloom. It's just the shittiest thing in existence right now. One of the things I like about all this stuff, and I'm not saying anything new here. Anthony Jeselnik said this. I like how hard, okay, I don't always enjoy how hard all this shit is with comedy, but one of the things I do like about it is it gives me more shit to make fun of. And it also makes you, yeah, it also makes you a sharper comic because you have to be you don't have to necessarily be more careful, but if you want to make it funny, you got to be a bit more have a bit more precision. So it, I can't be as lazy. Yeah. You have to yeah. be surgical about it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And that doesn't mean, oh, you can't say this and you can't say that. I can say this and I can say that. I just got to make sure it's a bit what you try and do or me, what I try and do is if I'm going to make a joke about trans people, I want to make it so funny that a trans person is going to laugh at it. Yes. Yeah, right. I love that. That's awesome. Yeah, right. yeah. It, it actually is. Uh, I, I think it's a great time to be a comedian too, because there's on the one hand, you've got all the establishment comedians. I put it that way. The people that are getting um, TV shows right now, currently, like you said, it is a trend and trends pass. When I was pushing this stuff, it wasn't the trend. We were, we right. were bucking the norm. Um, right. Now it's the norm and, but it will, something else will become the norm eventually. The, but, the, the edgy stuff is going to take over in the next yeah. five years. It, will. it yeah. will. And so right now you've got people who are defining themselves, who are doing really great comedy, especially online. I, I started discovering all these people online who are um, just breaking all the rules like yourself. And that is exciting. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. It's great. Um, hey, uh, it's it's a good time. Uh, the, one, the other intre- neat thing is nowadays you don't really need industry. This shit, what we're doing, right. I can build. I can build my own following, my own following, not one that was given to me by a fucking uh, uh, network. Yeah. Right. So yep. it's harder. It. Uh, I've got to do. So right now I've got to do. Be a stand-up comedian. And all the stuff that entails. But I also have to be an online marketing uh, social media guy. 
too, right? And yep. it's not that it's, people just go, oh, well, I just make videos and, you know, just all of a sudden it'll go viral and then you have a million. No, no, no. It's very hard to make a fucking video go viral. And the things that do go viral are fucking ridiculous sometimes. It's, there's no rhyme nor reason to it, right? But it's, it, again, it's like comedy. Just keep at it, keep at it, and slowly but surely it kind of starts developing. I've noticed an increase in followers and, and fans and stuff like that in the last. I've only really started heavily using social media, heavily using social media in the last two years, and I've noticed an increase in engagement and fans and people who like me in different parts of the country and world so and it took time and effort i got it you got to be on top of it but it's there for sure it's there yeah people are hungry There's, for something that's challenging to this religion yeah i was just going to use the word hungry carrie i was like there's a hunger for this <laughs> yeah absolutely yeah um people are people are tired of uh woke late night clapter so now is the now's the opportunity Absolutely. But the other, there's another segment of the population, which I'd argue is even bigger, isn't even aware of the woke clapter stuff because they're, they're dialed into YouTube and shit like that. And they yep. don't see the woke clapter. Then they'll come to a, like a woke clapter comedy show, which is like the, if you go to an urban center, that's like a, 75% of them. And they'll be like, what the fuck is this, man? <laughs> or, <yeah>. Right. <laughs> or they'll, or, or they'll see me get in trouble for a joke. And they're like, what, why are you getting in trouble? That was funny. And I'm like, Oh fuck, man, you got to listen to my podcast. I'm trying to, trying to educate the masses here. Jesus Christ. Like, <laughs> like, my, yeah, like regular people aren't even aware of all this stuff that that's like, people forget that average person doesn't know all this shit. Right. I think they, they're starting to come into contact with it, though, in in different it's ways. Starting, yeah. It's if they starting. have kids, it's starting because their kids are now getting indoctrinated in the public schools. Well, well, so I have a question for you. Go. So Carter and I talk a lot about my old ideology and the different places it's infected. So like yeah. academia, yeah. public education, uh, big social media companies, the media, etc. Um, is prison the last frontier? Hopefully, fuck. <laughs> uh it's gonna be a hard sell in there man i i mean it wasn't in there when i was there uh i, I the, the, the groups of people going into prison the demographic uh they're probably not going to be woke probably not doesn't mean they're unwoke necessarily but whatever that means but does it's not that it's it, the working class pretty much is or even lo, poor class uh they got, but when you're a criminal and a drug addict and stuff like that, um, oh, there's one exception. I'll get that to that in a second. But um, you got bigger th fish to fry than wondering, like, if you should use the correct pronoun with someone, right? Like, yeah, I, yeah. I, it's, I got to get a fix, man. I don't give a fuck what your pronoun is. And the person, anyone in my life probably doesn't give a fuck what their pronoun is either, right? You know, I mean, I'll, you can use whatever pronoun with me as long as you're willing to pay 150 bucks an hour. You know what I mean? So... Yeah. <laughs> uh, there is one exception though. Um, so in, in addiction, mental health and addiction services in Canada, I think it's like this in the States too, but I'll speak to Canada. Um, it's a lot of identitarians who've taken over these organizations. So it's, and in Canada, the uh, model for treating addiction, the, 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 the large model, the, the generally the, the mainstream model is what's called harm reduction. Uh, Vancouver was ground zero for a, the North America's first safe injection site. 
Uh, have you guys heard of, do you know what those are no. when I, when I'm speaking about, no, this? Uh, like, uh, where you're allowed to go shoot up heroin or whatever, when it's legal. Yeah. And yeah. they give yeah. you needles, right? Yeah. yeah. And they revive you if you overdose. That's the main thing. It's, it's, it's to help revive you if you overdose. That was the, 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 the major part of it. In theory, they're supposed to funnel you into things like rehab and treatment and stuff like that, but that's not really how it works. So without going on a big, long tangent about all of it, um, because I got to save something for the people to tune into and listen to my podcast about, uh, but basically to, to, to speak, uh, uh, crudely social justice warriors run addiction and mental health now. Right. And so what's happened is they've, they've molly coddled the addicts that they deal with, the, the people who use the drugs and they've indoctrinated them and they've, are you guys familiar with the term soft bigotry of low expectations? Yes, very. Yes. Okay, so these are all pet victims, the drug yeah. addicts and stuff like that, right? And a lot of these workers tell them, no matter what you do, it's not your fault because you're a victim because of colonialism and the patriarchy. Oh, neat. So I can go rob people and it's the, vict- and it's the person who I'm robbing's fault that I'm robbing them? Yes. I'm on board with that idea. Where were they when I was robbing jewelry stores, man? Yeah, that's what I meant earlier. All I'd have have to do is go to the Jewish ones, and then I'd be off the hook no matter what. Fuck. It was a Jewish jewelry store. They support Israel. There, done. That's the end of that. I'm I'm exonerated. (laughs) Yeah, that's that's you would definitely be in a marginalized group, and you would be a protected class if you were still robbing and doping. That's so, the way it's viewed. And you're right. It is the, the bigotry of low expectations. And they keep people in, in a state of victimhood. It's not just the mentally ill and, and addicts and homeless. It's also anyone who's in these groups. I mean, as a woman, they want you to feel like a victim 24-7. You need let, them. Let me ask you a question. What part? What, where do you live? Texas. Texas? Do you, feel, do you feel, when you leave your house, do you feel unsafe? No. Right. Uh, in your day-to-day life, does anything have, do you have encounters that you could, that you can pretty well verifiably say were negative because of your sex or gender? Occasionally when I lived in Los Angeles and New York at night jogging, I mean, very specific circumstances. Right. Um, but I never felt like, well, I'm not going to go jogging that you just, how about in like more, um, workplace, stores, movie theaters, just shit. Did you ever feel like, oh shit, as a woman, they're treating me shitty because I'm a woman? Anything okay, like that? Okay, okay, okay. In the workplace, this is, I'm, thank you for, now you're interviewing me. I have a, <laughs> so um, occasionally, yes. Yeah. But here's the problem. It's hard to distinguish when it is about my gender and when it's not. And they tell you it's always about your gender. Right. And that's bullshit. It's not always, most of the time it's not. But they're, they, they convince you, and the same thing about race and the same thing about sexuality, they convince you that you're a victim. And so as an SJW, they were, it, it, this belief system did me a disservice because I would walk into a room with a bunch of frat boy network executives and I would, and, and yes, they probably were looking down on me in some way, but, but it was worse because I went in with this mentality that they mm. were, mm. right? Yeah. Does that answer? Sure. Kind of? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So what basic... Do you walk around feeling like things, I have to add, as a white man, do you walk around feeling like there are certain things that you are now, that are attributed to you or people treat you differently because you're a white man? Day to day, no. Uh, only when I'm around the ideologues, which yeah. is all comedy, so it's every day. Um, 
and yeah. it, and it's more it's but it's more not necessarily like I'm being treated poorly because I'm a white man. It's more like okay, so if I'm just walking around minding my own business, just doing normal things that aren't fucking steeped in identity politics. Nah, fuck, right? Let's say a discussion comes up about something, and it might even I might even have a a, a relationship with the discussion with the subject of the discussion. That's where I feel like I'm going to have a problem. And when I say a problem, I don't just mean like they're going to go, hey, you're a white male. You can't talk about that. Which is, that's the beginning of it. They can actually start, well, fucking, it can grow to things now. Especially if I make a post online, people fucking come after you and try and dox you and shit, right? Or go after your employer and stuff like that. And I would say in those instances, I'm probably because of my skin and gender, probably more at risk than you are, Carrie, right? Like they would see you and let's just say you said something bad. They would probably give you a, let's, let's say it's online. They would probably give you 10 to 15 messages before they started calling you a cunt and a racist and stuff like that. I get one. And even if I do apologize, which I try not to do, doesn't matter, right? Don't, don't apologize to the mob. No. It no. makes it worse. Actually, I wanted to bring something up because I read this article the other day and I I, uh, I couldn't remember it, but I looked it up while you guys were talking. This is from The Telegraph, so it's in the UK. But one in 50 prisoners identifies as transgender amid concerns inmates are attempting to secure prison perks. So there, there appears to be this trend now, at least in the UK, where um, I, I guess this is getting back to the our prisons social justice the bastions of social justice ideology, or is it infiltrating? It seems like it is infiltrating, and if you're trans, you get special treatment in prison. So suddenly, there's prisoners saying, like, I'm, I'm trans. It's start Okay, uh, I'm going to, a bit of foreshadowing for a pot, my podcast episode this week. Podcast guest of the episode I'm releasing this week is a, uh, 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 ex-female uh, convict. Just got out within the last 18 months. And she, uh, without giving away too much, because I want people to listen to the episode, is talking about how in Canada they're starting to put uh, trans, so uh, um, male to female trans inmates in women's prisons, and some of them are sex offenders. Yes. Oh, wow. And in the UK. And and, and, and just, sorry, uh, corrections itself does not like this, but it's a policy higher than them that's doing this like the 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 the, the frontline guards the, the 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 rank and file guards don't like this because the female officers in the prison are now having to strip search male inmates biological yeah. male inmates right 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 but they're not in charge at the end of the day no it's not even corrections that's in charge the courts have ruled that this is uh in canada's courts are cucked really bad so uh the courts have ruled no too bad if someone identifies as male or female, whatever, opposite gender, that's it. They are. And now they have to be treated accordingly. Right. It's insane. Yep. And in the UK, they're, they're, like you said, there's repeat sex offenders who've been, they're now being put in women's prisons. Yep. And raping prisoners. My guess, my guess, if I had to take a shot at this, I bet you in England it's the same. The prison administrators would rather not deal with this horse shit, but their, their hands are tied because of the, uh, uh, the government. Uh, like the higher the ministry in, in in the UK, it's probably the Ministry of Corrections or Prisons, whatever it would be called in in the states' right. department. Some ministry, yep. 
My guess is that one of the reasons that corrections prisons are probably maybe not fighting it as much or just kind of going along with it is as bad as it sounds, they're probably hoping some bad shit will happen, which will then force the government to say, okay, we can't do this. Because it's like the only way you're going to see that this is a bad idea is if bad shit happens. Unfortunately, right? Yeah. 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 And I think, you know, the only difference between the U.S. and Canada and the U.K. at this point is the U.S., the federal government hasn't gone full woke yet. You guys also have the right? Constitution. Your Constitution's very strong. We have a thing called the Charter of Rights and Freedoms, which is similar. If you read them, they look similar. But the way the corporates interpret them up here is not as um, like free speech down in the United States. The, the Supreme Court's never ruled against free speech ever. Right. Ever like it's always unless it's an imminent danger or like you're actually threatening a group. Even then, I think you're you can kind of do that. Canada, it's fucking you never know if a, if it's if an expression or speech issue comes before our Supreme Court. Flip a coin on how it'll go. Well, yeah. your your law yeah. schools are woke now. Canada's law schools are super woke. Oh so, yeah, fucking lawyers can say I'm not comfortable fucking discussing how to uh, 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 cross-examine a fucking rape suspect. Like how the fuck? Okay, so if I rape someone, just wait, go, what? Yeah, yeah. They in the they, they don't. The students are like, I don't want to have to learn about rape laws because it triggers me. It's triggering. Uh, yeah. So then the lawyer, like, how do you learn about rape laws? So now if I was a rapist, just you know. You get a, I guess you get away with it now because they're not allowed to discuss it in court. Is that how it works? It's just like, no, it wouldn't work like that. It would work like you're guilty no matter what, probably. Yeah. Oh, well, I think it would it would default to depend on what class you were in, what marginalized group you were in as opposed to the person you raped. Right. Yeah. Um, Good thing I only wait so, rape white males. <laughs> <laughs> that's uh, white that's males, well, they're not you. straight when I'm done with them. You know what I mean? So, <laughs> I'm doing it for you, ladies. <laughs> I'm do, doing it in the name of social justice. That's right. Can we talk about speaking, you have you have a number one heckler, don't you? Are we going to talk about you heckler? Oh, or no? Well, actually, I was going to say speaking okay. of speaking of trans rights and some stuff that's going on in Canada. You know this. Uh, you're familiar with this, Jessica Yenev. J, uh, oh, what's his yes. other name? Jonathan. Um, Jonathan. Yeah, yeah, I am uh, quite familiar with it. Uh, well, to tie both of your questions together, um, I, well, you you called him a heckler, Carrie. I call him my nemesis, actually. Uh, and uh, he actually broke into my house and used my fucking podcasting and recording studio to occupy my podcast, pulling the trigger to interview Jessica Yanev. And he, he said some bullshit like it's socialism, so I have to share whether I like it or not. It's not up to me. He's even, he's even I think that's trying, how socialism works. I mean, he's yeah. even going to go after some of my Patreon donations, and the guy doesn't even know how to work my equipment. Like, fucking. <laughs> anyway, yeah, so he interviewed Jessica Yanov. And, uh, yeah, it's quite the interview. Uh, whew, uh, you know, it's... Uh, yeah, I, I can't... You have to see it to believe it. That's all I can say. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so maybe yeah. do you want well, to talk about been... Jessica? Do you want to, for your viewers, do you want me to describe what's going on with Jessica Yanov? Yeah. Why don't you, why don't you describe it? And then we actually, um, so we actually have your nemesis on the show later. Um, and we're going to talk about this. Sorry. 
You know, we're equal opportunity. He doesn't know. You know? I, okay, I, I, what I, he, the guy is just a little faggot, so I don't really care too much about him. But, like, I just don't want him, like, I want to be able to make sure I can leave before he sees me. I don't want him following me home and knowing where I live again. I've had to move a few times because of him. We'll take a break between. Yeah, he stages protests outside my house and stuff like that. It sounds like he's riding your coattails. Yeah, it's it's a strange fucking situation. This it's it, his name's Mark Social Justice Warrior Hughes. I know it's we're not related at all. It uh, and um, people always be like online. They'll be like, oh, they'll talk to me like I'm him or him like I'm me, and it's, that's the most offensive thing I've ever heard. Like, do not fucking associate me with him. Like that's that. Yeah, he says Zem is his pronouns, but I don't acknowledge that shit. Right, Z H E M. Oh, he's got the pronouns in the bio and all that stuff. Uh, yeah, yeah. So anyway, uh, okay. So Mark Social Justice Warrior Hughes interviewed Jessica Yanov. Jessica Yanov has made international headlines because she is suing about 16 different estheticians and waxing studios for not for refusing to wax her uh, genitalia, which is male, penis, scrotum. And she is using the Canadian Human Rights uh uh, well, what's the exact legislation? Anyway, Canadian human rights legislation in Vancouver, British Columbia, going to the Human Rights Tribunal and claiming it's a human rights violation uh, because they are discriminating against her based on gender or gender identification. So long story short, Jessica Yanev, for your viewers, go Google it. There's tons of articles about it, is saying that you are bigoted because you won't wax my penis because I say I'm a woman. And and this person has like, I think one of the people. The, some of these anestheticians are like people that. I mean, it shouldn't matter where they are, and they should have a right to say no, regardless. But some of these are actually like religious people working out of their house with children, and Jessica's saying, "No, you have to. You have to let me come in, and you have to wax my balls." Yep. Yep. And it's a and and. Uh, it is a human rights violation if a woman refuses to handle male genitalia, even if they say I'm not comfortable with it, even if they say it's, relig- it's against my religious beliefs, even if they say uh, I'm not trained to do it. Or don't have even the equipment. It's a different kind of wax and stuff, too. And it's like the whole thing's different. Yeah. And it, um, it, just, it just it illustrates uh, the way our legal system here in Canada works is that it can even get this far. Do you think what do you think the outcome will be? Flip a coin, buddy. It's hard to say. Well, he's already okay. settled with some of them. Like uh, I, I think... There's some of them yeah. are paying him. Here's what I'm going to say. The court of public opinion has definitely ruled against him. This is one where the, trans, the LGBT community is fucking super silent on it. They're scared to speak on it, but not many people are defending him or her, whatever, them. Um, uh, you get the odd... Okay, so normally in these kind of fucking cases where it's a trans person is, is allegedly being victimized by a non-trans person for every hundred to 500 people saying that's terrible that the trans person is being victimized. You're a bigot for victimizing them. You get one person uh, saying the opposite. It's inverted yep. in this case. It's inverted. In, in fact, even more than inverted. For every thousand per people saying that's fucked up, that he's trying to make women wax his balls, you get one going, well, uh, you know, we all have to do things in our jobs that we don't like sometimes. You should grow up. Uh, actually, fucking 
uh, someone who works in the government, a very prominent trans government person in the NDP, New Democratic Party in British Columbia, which is the provincial uh, uh, political party in power in, in British Columbia, which is provincial state for American listeners, uh, has, has said that exact. We all have to do things uh, we don't like at our job sometimes grow up. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Here are your knee pads. Can- enjoy. Canada, yeah. baby. But at least we have free health care where you can then get your gender reassignment surgery paid for by the do- tax do- payers. So, yes. <laughs> yes. I mean, I, I suspect I maybe this maybe isn't true because I've now seen more of, of Jonathan slash Jessica talk. But part of me just has suspected that this person is actually trying to sabotage trans rights because it's so over the top that you know the ratio that you're talking about is happening and it's just like so many people are saying this is ridiculous and it's just this clear clear case of craziness but i i don't think that's true there's just part of me that suspects it because he's been so um he, he couldn't have given a better gift to transphobic people than himself like and 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 the other thing we did a we did a video on him too it's not just the it's not just that he's trying to force women to touch his junk and it's also that he's he's having inappropriate conversations with underage girls he wants to have that's not him that was a sock account okay yeah that's but that's ridiculous but but there is a picture of him with underage girls in the background that he took a selfie of mark social justice warrior hughes i think can speak more on this because he actually interviewed yanov but i watched the interview and apparently those are sock accounts it was made up yeah that's bullshit yeah. But he's, he's, I think it's, there's a couple different things happening and there's that. There's also, he's getting women kicked off of Twitter for having arguments with him. I know they reinstated Lindsay Shepard, but Megan Murphy is still banned permanently. Yeah, yeah that's um, Twitter. Twitter's cucked as fuck too. Totally. Uh, but he's, yeah, he's just, he couldn't have handed a better gift to, to, because um, he, he is the man you don't want in the bathroom with your little girl. Here, exactly. <laughs> and here's the thing. I think the people who are criticizing uh, most of the comments I see online and most of the people I talk to, they're not going, oh, fucking trannies. I knew it. They're actually, it's, most people's criticisms of all this are intelligent. They're saying, they're not impugning transgender people, actually. They're saying, this right. is the problem with these fucking laws and policies. Not the, not the most, let's face it, no matter how weird you might think transgender people are or aren't, or how much you love them or hate them or whatever, most transgender people are not like this. I know that they are not like this. This guy is not fucking representative of most transgender people. Most transgender people, they're struggling with something. We, we could argue what it is or what it isn't, whether what it should be, what it shouldn't be, all we want. They're just people who are struggling with this thing. They, can't, they just want to live their lives. They don't want to be fucked yep. with, and they don't, they, but they don't want unnecessary attention drawn to them either. And that's what this guy is doing. Right, right. But I can for I. The, a lot of people are worrying that it's going to set transgender people back. I don't think it will, because um, I think most people are intelligent. And know this isn't most transgender people. What it will do, though, is any policies or laws or anything like that that may have at, may have been good, may have been progressive, may have been needed. The general public, any time from now on, the government or uh, people in power, organizations in power start talking about uh, transgender specific laws or policies or practices, people are going to go, Appa! 
Remember that Yanov fucking thing? Because the general public, let's just say that the, the Human Rights Tribunal finds in favor of Yanov, the general public, for once, the silent majority is going to fucking rise up. Also, the Sikh community in Vancouver is going to fucking rise up. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Because one of the people was Sikh. Yeah, yes. And media will try and suppress it and pretend it's not happening, but they will rise up. That's, that's the sad blessing in disguise if it goes that way. Yeah. If you ask me. I, it's, yeah. I, it shouldn't have to go this way, but that's what it'll do. Because people will go, uh-uh. We have no faith in the criminal justice or not in the justice or legal system anymore because that's fucking bullshit. And again, it, well, I think- there might be unfortunate fallout towards trans people, which I hope doesn't happen. I hope most tra- I hope trans people as a group aren't fucked with because I don't want anyone hurt. Honestly, despite yeah. whatever we joke about, I don't want I don't want a trans woman beaten up because of this fucking maniac. Of course, you know? right? Yeah. yeah. Well, and there are some trans women like Blair White who, who you know, speaks up about this and says, look, this is, you know. But she said it, she, made a, this. she made a good point and said, why isn't the greater community speaking out against it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Distance yourself. Why is from she the only one? Yeah. Distance yourself from them, from him, from him. Guys, fuck girls, them, thems. Fucking, di- like, uh-uh. But, right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh. Mark, this has been a lot of fun. Where can people find your comedy, either online or shows? Like, where, where do you think people should go to, to follow you and get more of your comedy? My Instagram, uh, my YouTube, and my Facebook are the best places to find my shit. Uh, so uh, if you go to my website, www.markhughescomedy.com, everything's connected there. Uh, if you want to find me on Facebook, Mark Hughes, I'm easy to find. Uh, I think I sent you links. So if you, if you include them in the episode yep. description, they can just click on them. Instagram at Mark Hughes comic. Uh, I do post shit. I have a podcast pulling the trigger. Uh, that's, that's on my YouTube. It's also, it's all, uh, it's YouTube for video, but it's also audio on all the major uh, podcast platforms, Apple, Spotify, blah, 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 uh, Stitcher. Uh, I'm not hard to find. I'm easy to find. Mark Hughes comedian. I'm easy to find. Cool. Yeah. Well, I really appreciate your time today. Thank you. I, you know, I hate to rush you out, but we've got Mark SJW. He's yeah, I want it, Yeah, on yeah. A I want bit. a lot. I want a nice, safe space of time to fucking get the fuck out of here <laughs> before he comes. We will give you that. We will give you that. Thank you very much. Thanks, man. Thank you, Mark.